joke. I just spent like eight minutes changing the colors on my RGB mouse and keyboard because, hey, sometimes you need a change. Did I have this really cool effect on it? It was blue, like a deep, nice blue with a bright green, and it was all wavy and stuff. And you can layer effects now, so it looks really cool. It looked all wavy and and cool. <laughs> very calm, very serene with that blue, but I was like, you know what? I think it's time for a bit of a change. It's time for some change. Let's do some pinks and some purples. Huh? <laughs> How about that? How about that? So I was thinking, right? I was thinking yesterday because, uh, you know, lots changed in the last year. So when I have time and it gets quiet, I reflect and I reflect especially on my relationships. And the thing that I notice the most is it's so important to have contrast in your life, isn't it? It's very important with your relationships because a good relationship will really make a bad one stand out. And I think I'm very lucky in the sense that I have way more good relationships than I do bad relationships. So if ever comes the need for me to remove something or someone out of my life or to cut out a relationship, I compare the behaviors that often one would expect from like a friend or someone who cares during difficult situations. Does this person, can this person listen? Is this person offering support? Are they listening? Are they actually listening? Can they give me their attention undivided? for fucking 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Especially if they have those expectations of you. It is very, very frustrating when somebody has expectations of you. You need to be like this. When I'm upset, I need this. When I'm this, I need this from you. When blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool. Got it, my friend. But when comes the time for them to exhibit those same things, which are generally caring behaviors. If you care about someone, you behave a certain way through difficulty, right? You're understanding, you're, you, again, listen. Dude, that's a huge thing, the listening thing. The listening thing is big. I hate when people tell me they listen when they don't listen, when I have to repeat things several times, when they ask me to repeat something after they just said they listen. Oh. If there's anything, is there anything more insulting than that when somebody's already upset you to begin with? Yeah, 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 I'm listening. No, 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 I'm not distracted. Yeah, 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 I'm listening. Oh, fuck off. With your half-ass listening and your not even close to half-ass relationship skills. Bruh fuck off. People are so inadequate socially and and for relationships. You know, I'm not saying I'm perfect. Certainly not. Certainly am not. But I'm not going to tell you I'm listening if I'm not listening. There are many a time when I get emotional and I just disconnect from that frontal lobe. And I, I understand that. That happens. I can certainly apologize for it and I can certainly make up for it. But at the time, I'm, I'm emo, dude. I need to be emo, and I'm not going to be listening. At the same time, right? 
people will tell you they're listening. They'll tell you they're not emotional. Oh, isn't it amazing when people put that shit on you? Look, I know you're really angry and emotional right now. Me? Well, first of all, you give me a reason to be angry, okay? Second of all, you're the one getting hype here. How am I the angry, emotional one? So frustrating. It's so frustrating also when someone pisses you off, crosses a line. Okay, you need to have lines and boundaries. Mine are pretty far. Someone crosses that line and then they go, you're just crazy. Can you stop being crazy right now? <laughs> Ugh, that is the worst kind of person to deal with. And when you have people that you can talk to who aren't like that, who listen to what's happened and who don't dismiss you as crazy, dismissing somebody, especially a girl, as crazy, not saying we aren't crazy sometimes, okay? We certainly have the capacity to be. But understand when that is. Understand that when you piss someone off, when you make somebody mad, when you do something they do not like and it's obvious they don't like it and you do it, that it's on you, okay? And they're allowed to be mad. It's not irrational for somebody to be mad at something that makes them mad, that you know is going to make them mad, that you are now going to do. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my God. I can't, it sounds so silly, right? It's like, yeah, duh, Amy, fucking duh, obviously. No, it's not so duh, okay? It's just not. But anyways, the point was contrast. That contrast is good to have, right? I'm very lucky. It's good to build and spend time building relationships with people who care and give a shit. And anything that comes into your life that isn't that, it will be prominent to you and you can just nip that shit, cut it out. Not even worth it, you know? Conflict resolution is difficult enough. Sorting through problems is difficult enough. You don't need a liar up in your face telling you they're listening when they're not listening. For what purpose? What are you trying to accomplish? It just upsets somebody more to know that you're lying to them and saying you listened when you ask them, what did I just say? Pretty sure I just talked for 15 minutes. Oh, can you repeat that? No, absolutely not. I am not wasting my time with this anymore. This is exactly what happened last time. We tried to solve the problem. And that's just it. No more, my friends. No more. Don't put up with that. It's stupid. There's always going to be people who, like, you're trying to explain to them what you did, and they're like, no, you! And it's like, high school shit. Not even high school shit. Elementary school shit. But let me get some fuel. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that watch I desire. Uh. Morning voice, yo. <laughs> that contrast, yo. That contrast, you need that shit. Ah, you need that shit. It is my Friday at job number one. And 
it is that time of year where three or four people are walking in and they're all sniffly and coffee and just straight up gross. And um, I was at work yesterday in the middle of the day around three o'clock. I just started feeling so tired. That doesn't really happen often where I just crash energy wise like that. So I kind of like sat at the table and I just kind of drifted off for a few minutes and I woke up and I was like, oh, what happened? I don't understand. I was just like, I'm so tired right now. I'm pretty sure I probably caught the damn flu or the cold from somebody. I don't know. I'm hoping I won't. I've been trying to go to sleep as soon as I can when I get home. I've been sleeping like a dead baby. It's so crazy. And I wake up and I'm kind of tired. I Obviously, I wake up way earlier than I need to. I could sleep in until like 7 if I wanted to. But nah, I like mornings. I like having a huge part of the day to myself because I'm greedy. And I want to enjoy this whole alive thing you know, as long as I can, because I imagine that as I climb into my 40s, I might get lower energy levels, or I may not, or I may not, I don't know, I'm just going to make that assumption, because it keeps me going, right, I'm like, I do not want to be one of those lazy, tired people, I'm always up and moving now, and ah, my sinuses do feel, or sound a little bit, like they're stuffy, don't they? They a little bit do. But <laughs> cough isn't as bad as it was, I guess, yesterday. Hmm. That's what happens when you're not smoking weed. I have not smoked weed in like over a week now, I think. Oh, yeah, it's been over a week. Um, have you ever, you know what's really funny is sometimes, now I'm one of these people, I don't check my phone all day, right, I'm very busy, I'm like so busy, I don't have time, I try to focus at work, once I get there, I generally don't check any of my phone stuff, because I find it's very, very distracting, and like obviously, right, I want to talk to all my friends all the freaking time, but if I do, I won't get shit done, so I've gotten so good. I just put it so good, so good at putting my phone away. I put the phone away. Podcasts are going on. By the way, Patreon. Let me complain about Patreon for a minute, okay? I just recently became a subscriber to the Tim Dillon Show on Patreon for five bucks a month because, oh my God, the value that he provides me with is incalculable, incalculable. And, um, there are bonus episodes that he posts just on there. And, uh, he, he, which is totally where I stole that model, by the way. And, uh, as soon as I have this monitor situation figured out, I gotta get some video up there. But anyways, continuing on for some reason, the podcast, the podcast player in there does not function very well. You know, it's very, very frustrating. I have no, oh, oh, I must check this email. Just one moment. It is a, it is from work. Oh, 
What's that? I see. Okay, good. I will make sure that this gets done today. Flag. Sorry about that. That was something I had to interrupt this for regarding my benefits. Um, I've been waiting for that. What was I talking about? <laughs> nah, I forgot. Oh, yeah, I keep my phone away, right? Every now and again, I will get this feeling where I'm just like, neat, 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 neat. Why didn't they text me back as soon as I text or respond right away? And it is seriously quite a dumb impulse, right? Because I'm busy, so I can't respond to text right away. And it's so funny to even have that feeling of, oh my God, I'm not loved. Or, oh my God, am I not important enough? Yo, people are busy too. They have other things to do. It's, it's just a funny, unreasonable response that I immediately recognize as unreasonable, but still have sometimes. And I think that's, that's such an insecurity thing, isn't it? Like, I am important. Make me feel important. <laughs> so dumb. And it's like, you are important, but people have lives too. If you needed somebody, I'm sure they'd be there. But this is like, just blah conversation. Everybody's just keeping each other up to date with what's happening during the day. Hey, what are you doing? What did you eat? What you doing? Send me a picture of your dog, please. I want to know what's happening with you. <sighs> so silly. So very, very silly. My texting habits, though. You know, my social media habits lately have just been almost nil. The times that I do get to check, I, I mean, you know, when I go to work, I try not to read them too much. I read my book or whatever. And uh, I don't know if I told you, but I started Mein Kampf, actually. I don't know if you've heard of that book. Um, this guy wrote it. His name was Adolf Hitler. Very interesting fellow. I'm not going to be surprised with what I do find in that book. Um, but... In the intro, the man who translated it is like, don't forget that Hitler painted himself to sound a lot better than he actually was. And there's a lot throughout the book that you will find is very questionable just because of the way his views were. But I've gotten to a part at the moment where, you know, Adolf is talking about his father he, Adolf, was a, a painter, and he was a very good artist. He used to draw a lot. His father was a civil servant who ended up serving in the army, I believe. And he was not pleased with the fact that his son wanted to be an artist. Not at all. So Hitler described him as authoritarian, very authoritarian, would not allow him to pursue his goals. And the harder his father went at him and said no, the stronger became Hitler's resolve to do his art and the stronger that he would oppose his father. He did not want to be a civil servant like his father. And it's crazy because it's like, ah, you start to see kind of where in his relationships, and in his life, maybe he started going a little acerbic. I'm really excited to read it. I was talking to Chris, actually, when I bought the book, and I remember 
Chris asking, what does the lady at the till think of you buying that book? The one and only copy in the book store that I saw. This one and only one. I was like, oh, look at this. What is this black cover with a very minimal writing on it? Probably designed to be like that for the North American version. Totally black, top left corner, Mein Kampf in white, Adolf Hitler in red right underneath it. And uh, I picked it up and uh, I'm like, my friend's asking what you think that I'm buying the book. And she, or something like that. Something of that vein. And she goes, I think we should know exactly how these madmen behave so that we don't vote them into power. Very, very wise thing to say, as per Chris. And I agreed. Very wise. Very wise. It's good to know. It's good to understand the origins of someone crazy like this. It's so interesting. He's always been such an interesting figure in history to me. There's so much more to him than just the psychotic killing and all that stuff. And with me, you know, the psychology thing that I'm really into, it's interesting to see how his life played out and how he describes his life in particular. I'm sure, of course, there are blinders and there are things that he is admi admitting that he's not meaning to admit. Like just, just the relationship he described between him and his father, you can gather so much from it. Psychology is such an interesting, interesting subject. You know, everybody is built, well, mostly everybody, with a theory of mind in their brain. You know, we are intuitive psychologists. We are amateur psychologists. But really start to get into how things work and how behavior relates to this based on this and this part of your development and that, that, and that. You really begin to kind of see certain patterns in people. I see them in myself, you know, that the whole idea with psychology, I remember when I started getting into it and why I started having an interest is because I really wanted to get into myself and figure out what the heck is wrong with me. I keep making bad decisions. I keep doing things that aren't good to me. I keep making irresponsible decisions that are causing me long-term suffering. Why am I doing this? What is happening? And then you realize, right? Oh, I have abandonment issues because of this. I'm insecure about this because of the way my parents treated me. I put up with this kind of behavior because I saw my mom put up with it from my dad for this many years. And this is what is normal to me as a relationship. Again, that's why that contrast is important. When you have a few good things in your life or good relationships or good people who actually treat you well, which by the way, at first, any relationship that was good and healthy, I pushed away. I pushed away because I was always an unhealthy, mentally sick person, very mentally ill. And I'm not saying mentally ill in like the, the clinical sense. I mean, just sick. Just my mind had a flu for so many years that I was blinded by because it had just become a part of my perception. There were a few times in my life that I had to crack open and was cracked open and totally broken because of boyfriends and people who just treated me awfully. And instead of just 
at one point, as much as I wish I could could give myself credit for this, I know I can't. I know something, some causal chain of events caused this to transpire where it made me look inward and figure it the fuck out. Why do you keep gravitating to this kind of person? Why are you not seeing the signs? Be aware of red flags. Now, we all have red flags, okay? All of us, every single person. But for me, there's degrees of red flags. And there are certain red flags I just cannot allow because they are part of your person. The main one for me is the lying. Some people get so caught up in the stories they tell themselves about themselves and the person they are and the things that they value. They get caught up in this whirlwind of bullshit when what happens is they're not actually acting out those beliefs. They're acting out the total opposite. Again, not saying I do not have the propensity for this, not saying I have not. I certainly have. It's very challenging to correct And it's very challenging to let somebody know that that's what their game is because I know your game, big boy. It's very difficult for all of us to see our own shit from the inside because we are living it. We are living it. It is way easier to see it from other people. Your greatest enemy might be 100% correct about the person you are. Okay, they might exaggerate a little bit, but there's going to be aspects about which they are correct. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. And you got to look at that and you got to, that's your choice. You do what you will with that. But it's important to realize that. It's important to have this kind of, I don't know, I like this relationship I have with psychology. I think it's very important. It's very, also very important, the kind of relationship you have with yourself and the kind of stories you tell yourself about yourself. Because if you believe your lies, which is, what all the best people or the, the people who do this best do. Hitler was somebody who believed in everything he said wholeheartedly. And he acted out those beliefs. And because he believed himself so strongly, he was full of shit. Everybody believed him too. All you need is a little bit of charisma and belief in yourself. And it is absolutely fucking insane what you can accomplish. If you can accomplish that, if you can accomplish getting so caught up in your lies that you don't even know that it's lies anymore, oh, the things you can get people to believe about you. Oh, the things people will forego. Add a little bit of talent and aptitude in, a, in certain areas And people will believe you even more. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Perception really is reality. You know, it really is. And that is some freaky shit. And that's what's crazy about him. What's crazy about him is a story he's told himself about himself, which is what I'm reading right now. And I find it intriguing. And... This guy made a nation move. You know how many people this guy got to move and do things for him because of how much he believed in himself and how talented he was at orating, 
how compelling he was to watch, totally terrifying. I mean, I think he looked crazy when his hair would get all flappy and shit. (laughs) It always made me giggle. But I can imagine with this mob mentality shit, people love to follow. People love being slaves. It's It's a very weird thing. We like to follow. Many people don't like being leaders. You know, I think it's like a natural proclivity that somebody has to be a leader. Most people who should be leaders also don't want to be because <laughs> they understand, nah, this is too much of a responsibility. I don't think anybody should do this job. I'm of the mind, the Joe Rogan line of thinking. There shouldn't be one guy running that many people. There just shouldn't be. It's such an unreasonable thing to expect someone to be able to do. It doesn't matter who the president is. He's always going to be shit in comparison to somebody who's got to take take care of a lot less people. So, for example, the states, if they did state by state, if every state just became just became its own country and it, and it acted as like some kind of confederation or whatever, the country of America, but every state was a separate country. It's just a federation of countries, basically. I imagine that it would be a lot smoother. Leadership would definitely be better. More people's needs would be met. It is very difficult to meet the needs of 300 million plus people. Just seems insane. But that's for another time. This is crazy. Anyways, loving that book. It's so interesting because I get to, I'm thinking of like 10 other things when I'm reading about that guy, you know, and there's a, there's a very distinct personality type, very distinct personality type. You ever think like, I'm sure, and it sounds very SJW, but from a psychological perspective, I think It's funny how many times I've actually run into this person, you know, oh my God, this is so hilarious. My background just changed to a picture. It's a really cool picture of Trump making the Z Kyle sign. It says Trump in like this really cool neon writing in the back. And then there's three swastikas in the back. I know it's very tacky, but it's that like synth wave style. There's like thunder behind him and stars and it's all purple and pink and the colors are just awesome. Yeah, I like this wallpaper. (laughs) I've got this really wicked wallpaper of Stalin, too. It's pretty fucking cool. It usually pans across both screens because it's one of those super wide ones. Yeah, crazy, hey? (laughs) Probably shouldn't be admitting that I have wallpapers of Joseph Stalin and Trump, but I don't care. It looks cool, all right? Sometimes it can be about the aesthetic. And that swastika is a nice symbol. Stolen, by the way, from Hinduist and Buddhist traditions. That was not originally the Nationalist Socialist Party's emblem. Just to make clear. Very cool symbol regardless. I was watching World War II in color at work a few days ago, and it, they were showing the, the Luftwaffe flying in formation of the swastika, and I was like, Jesus Christ, man, these guys. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Anyways, Hitler's interesting, psychology is interesting, mix those two together, and oh my God, you're just going to be mind blown. Very fun stuff. Um, I am going to jump right in now and read you a couple of articles 
because that's what we do here. That's totally become my thing now. I like to read a little bit of psychology every day. And hey, why not share? Why not freaking share? Because you know what they say about, you know what they say about sharing? Sharing is caring, okay? You have to share. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Study finds musical tastes predict personality traits and political orientation. That's very interesting. I wonder if there's a test or something I can take because my taste in music is rather eclectic. You know, yesterday I was going from listening to the Beatles. Let me sh- listen to my playlist. I was listening to Rez. I was listening to the Beatles. From the Beatles to Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains to Smashing Pumpkins. The zombies, like, it's just all over the place. Ray of Light, remember that Madonna song? Yeah, that song is so cool, man. I was listening, remember Regulate, Nate G? No, not Nate G, Warren G, and Nate Dog. <laughs> Nate G. <laughs> Wake up, Amy. Regulate, man, that was a really dope song. Old music, like, from The Chronic. 2001 remember dr dre back then old eminem like just going through a 90s playlist nirvana and the foo fighters to the red hot chili peppers to some classical music and like the soundtrack to blue planet which i was absolutely obsessed with for a while those beautiful scores and there's some that i've just saved from movies that i love right harry potter and v for vendetta and things like that i just um very eclectic i have like international music on my show i've got some russian music i got some ukrainian music you know just whatever so i wonder maybe that that tells me maybe that'll be maybe i'm liberal Maybe that's it. I would say, yeah, some things I lean to the left and some things I lean to the right. I'm pretty traditionalist in a lot of ways, and I I think there's value in tradition for sure. But uh, I also am very much for social liberation, you know. So it's a weird mix. I think it's important to have elements of both. And, you know, I was reading Peterson, and he was (laughs) me and Peterson lately. (laughs) Sorry, man, he's an expert, and uh, I really just, his, his clinical practice is excellent, and I can't deny it. You, you would be so stupid to deny someone who is an expert, who has been doing something for 30-plus years over some stupid shit like, oh, you're trying to merge religion and science. No, please. And you know what? I'm going to read the happiness hypothesis for one of those bonus episodes because there's a very important thing that Haidt talks about and that is that religious thinking is a propensity of the human brain. If we don't do it specifically towards religion, there are ways in which we do it. I mean, what about this Disney mindset people have, right? You can do it. All you need to do is have the right attitude. Some people think you can do anything. You can ignore limitations that prevent you from doing those things that you probably would be doing if you could do them. If you just believe. You think that's not religious thinking? People give me a fucking break, okay? Everybody wants to run away from this concept of religion because we... we 
hone in on the three Abrahamic ones or the popular ones we hear about a lot. But it's more than just those specific things. It is just a way people think. And it's everybody, to a degree, thinks that way. Okay? It's there for us. Some people don't. Some people do. But sometimes, like Tim, like Tim Dillon said, right? Like, if there's... In the entertainment industry, for example... You have to believe you're better than you are. You have to believe something that is not true in order to make it. And you're not going to find out till it's too late whether you're good or not. Because you've been telling yourself you're better than you are. It's a fuck show, man. It's a fuck show. We have to accept that we need some level of delusion in our lives. If we were facing our mortality every single day, I think that would diminish our will to live. You know, it would make a mess of ya. But anyways, let's continue with this article before I get tangential once more, which I am want to do. <laughs> Study finds musical tastes predict personality traits and political orientation. Oh, this is awesome. New research published in the journal Psychology of Music provides evidence that musical preferences are related to aspects of personality and political beliefs. No way. <laughs> There's a lot of research on music and personality, but it tends to identify only weak relationships. We thought that this is because it has tended to look at how liking for a particular music style relates to only very broad domains on personality, such as openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Those are the five big personality traits. Explained study author Adrian C. North of Curtin University. Where's Curtin University? Mm. He tested the idea that a more fine-grained approach to personality might explain this. Rather than looking at each of the big five personality dimensions as a whole, <coughs> we looked at the subcomponents of each dimension. The researchers surveyed 157 Australian university students aged 17 to 55 years regarding their musical preferences, their personality, and their political beliefs. The measure of personality, known as the Big Five Aspect Scale, breaks each trait down into two subcomponents, resulting in a total of 10 aspects of personality. Findings confirmed that there were some relationships between musical tastes and personality. However, this relationship is much stronger when you look at the specific aspects that make up each of the main personality domains, North told SciPost. For example, liking for rhythmic music, rap, hip-hop, soul, R&B, and reggae, was not related to the broad domain of agreeableness, but was related to the aspects that make up agreeableness, namely compassion and politeness. In particular, liking for rhythmic music was related positively to compassion, but related negatively to politeness. That's interesting. At the broad domain level, each cancelled out the other which is why there was no relationship at the domain level of agreeableness, but masked significant relationships at the level of the specific aspects, North said. 
A preference for intense and established musical genres was also associated with a liberal political orientation. Oh my god, I can't believe I missed Dead Mouse. Bro, all I've been listening to lately is Dead Mouse. And I didn't even say that. Oh, I hate when I miss that. <laughs> what a loser. Anyway, in other words, people who enjoyed these types of music were more likely to believe in advocating for social change and equality. Interesting. Liberalism was related positively to intense music, i.e. punk, metal, rock, and indie, and established music, folk, jazz or blues, classical music, and country. Your worldview in general relates to your musical taste, North told Psypost. However, it is unclear how well the results of the study generalize to other populations. The research was conducted in Australia, and so we cannot say if these same findings would be found in other cultures. The study predicting musical taste, relationships with personality aspects, and political orientation was authored by Scott P. Davenport and Adrian St. North. Honestly, I was expecting a lot more. I have to tell you, it didn't really tell me too, too much, and this is very limited to just one place, and I'm sure culture has something to do with that, but I would like to see. That's an interesting study. Um, what about things like EDM, you know, repetitive, cyclical, um, very continuous beat? Like, I wonder what that says about a personality or if, if anything, you know? All right. Next article. Now, let me, t let me tell you. <coughs> On Friday, before going to the corn maze, my friend Brian and I, well, Brian brought me a vape pen. Now, this was no ordinary vape pen. This vape pen was full of dimethyltryptamine. And let me tell you, it was very cool. It was a 15 to 20 minute experience. Nothing super intense. I didn't speak to any entities or go all Joe Rogan. But you do get this really crazy feeling, this crazy body high feeling. And your brain feels like it's somewhere else. It just doesn't feel like it's here, but it's in the room. And when you close your eyes, you get really crazy, fractal, Fibonacci sequence-looking visuals. And it is fucking wild. So very cool. Honestly, since then, I felt a little bit lighter. It just kind of makes you feel lighter. It, it, I don't know. That, that's just kind of how these these drugs react with me. I've always felt like a little bit at a time, whether it's mushrooms, whether it's acid, whether it's DMT, well, I've only done it once, so I should just hold that one back. Acid or mushrooms or any of the psychedelics that I have tried, it always breaks me open and breaks me out a little bit, and it always feels good. I always get more and more comfortable in myself, in my skin, my ability to accept things becomes greater every time because there's just this quality that these drugs have to bring your shit up to the forefront and make you face it. I had a really intense experience my first mushroom trip alone that made me realize, man, have I been lying to myself for all these years, telling myself I'm okay, telling myself I'm not sad. I I'm not sad about my breakup. I'm not sad about my parents leaving. I'm not sad. I'm fine. This is life. 
And then the mushrooms I took were like, uh-huh, I have something else to tell you, you lion-ass hoe. You are so broken, you are so upset, and you keep lying to yourself, and that's why you always sit here and you have this underlying upset that you just will not ignore. No longer, no fucking longer. Bear your cross, you coward. You freaking cowardly child. Quit running away from the things that upset you and face them. And I did. I had to. I had no choice. I cried so much. That was, at the time, felt like the worst trip of my life. It felt so bad. It felt like it was never going to end. It felt like I was going to be stuck there forever. And then finally, I was like, I surrender. Okay, I surrender. I surrender to you. And I woke up the next morning and I felt so much better relieved I felt cleansed I felt lighter I felt like wow I really needed to do that and I haven't cried like that since (laughs) if I'm sad now I all I get is like a single tear (laughs) you know oh my god not many things are worth crying over in this life really (laughs) really not And it's just very, it's so crazy that once I was able to, so ever since then also, I'm like, am I, am I just preventing myself from being sad? But no, when I, when I get anxious and I do the, did the, the mushrooms last time, it just kind of did that thing where it, it just makes me feel anxious, but I didn't cry. Again, crying is one of those things I don't often do. Um, It's just not. It has to be really, really upsetting for me to cry. And even when it's really upsetting, I'm like, tear. <laughs> All right, let's read this. A single dose of 5-MeO-DMT produces rapid and persistent improvements in life satisfaction and psychopathological symptoms. Oh, well. A single inhalation of the psychedelic drug 5 methoxy dimethyl 5-MeO-DMT is associated with sustained improvements in satisfaction with life, mindfulness, and a reduction of psychopathological symptoms, according to preliminary research published in Psychopharmacology. 5-MeO-DMT is a lesser-known psychedelic compared to, for example, ayahuasca and psilocybin, and thus very limited research exists, explained the author Malin Uthog, a PhD candidate at Maastricht University in the Netherlands. 5-MeO-DMT occurs naturally in the venom of some toads and in a variety of plant species. It can also be produced synthetically. Essentially, I saw this as a niche area and brought it upon myself to investigate its effects and therapeutic potential further as part of my doctorate work at Maastricht University. This specific article summarizes the first study I did on the topic, but there are more to come. In the study, 42 participants completed a battery of psychology tests before inhaling vapor from dried toad secretion containing 5-MeO-DMT. The participants completed the tests again about 24 hours later, and 24 participants completed the tests yet again out of four-week follow-up assessment. This study was a so-called naturalistic observational study. 
This means that as a researcher, I simply observed what was occurring at sessions where toad secretion containing 5-MeO-DMT was administered to participants by facilitators and distributed questionnaires to the participants, Uthog, Uthog explained. Uthog? I don't know. Although there are limitations with this design, no placebo control, participant bias, etc., it has an advantage in the sense that it allows researchers to get a better look at drug effects than what the current le legality status of psychedelics permit. Mm. The researchers found that subjective ratings of life satisfaction, depression, anxiety, and mindfulness improved on the day after the session, and this effect persisted for four weeks. The findings are in line with a previous survey of 362 adults, which found that approximately 80, well, 80 plus of respondents reported improvements in anxiety and depression after using 5-MeO-DMT. But there also does not appear to be anything particularly special about toad venom compared to synthetic 5-MeO-DMT. Another important takeaway from the study is that 5-MeO-DMT is the main compound in the toad secretion as demonstrated by our lab analysis. This finding, as well as the outlined ethical and ecological consideration of toad secretion use, make a clear and strong argument for the discontinuation of toad secretion as a means of obtaining and consuming 5-MeO-DMT. In other words, save a toad, exploit a chemist. Previous research has indicated that 5-MeO-DMT has a relatively safe profile of use and is predominantly used for spiritual exploration, but there is still much to learn about the psychedelic drug. The results of the present study are in no way conclusive, and more research is warranted to investigate 5-MeO-DMT further. The rest of our studies on 5-MeO-DMT, from my dissertation, as well as other collaborations, are yet to be published, and include one study outlining the effects of 5-MeO-DMT on biomarkers, salivary cortisol and IL-6, and another comparing the effects and experiences following vaporization or intramuscular injection, Uthog told SciPost. These will all amplify the current literature. But future clinical research and safety assessment of 5-MeO-DMT, specifically through the intramuscular route, is highly warranted before a clinical trial can commence. Uthog also noticed that some facilitators of 5-MeO-DMT face serious allegations of malpractice. Additionally, none of the facilitators have the necessary expertise, clinical background to properly hold a safe space where altered states of consciousness can be entered, nor to screen for con contraindica contraindications. Whoa, I gotta look up that word. I've never seen it before. Let me read that again. Additionally, none of the facilitators have the necessary expertise, clinical background, to properly hold a safe space where altered states of consciousness can be entered, nor to screen for contraindications in participants that are included in a session, she said. This is dangerous as it puts people at unnecessary risk for having an unpleasant and even traumatic experience, which can impact them as well as those around them negatively. The study, a single inhalation of vapor from dried toad secretion containing 5-MeO-DMT in a naturalistic setting is related to sustained enhancement of satisfaction with life mindfulness-related capacities and a decrement of psychopathological systems, was authored by eight people that you can find out 
if you want to look at it, okay? Contradictions now. Let's look up that word. Yeah, contraindications. Joy, 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 joy. Oh. In medicine, a contraindication is a condition or factor that serves as a reason to withhold a certain medical treatment due to the harm that it would cause the patient. Contraindication is the opposite of indication. Ah, which is the reason to use a certain treatment. Understood. What a word. Contraindication. Very, very cool. So I, I'm, I've never been in a situation or put myself in a position other than that one time, which is what I meant to do, by the way. I meant to do that. I meant to do that by myself. But I would never put myself in a position where I was not in a comfortable set with a comfortable setting. I've never approached anything psychedelic without respect. It's very weird. I don't know how people do that stuff and they'll go to festivals and that kind of stuff. I don't understand it. It just, <clears throat> it turns up the volume on reality so high. You're, you're basically just a receiver for, for every stimulus and every sound and it feels like every vibration that is happening. Sometimes, like, you just feel crazy. It feels, you feel so attuned. You're like, I swear to God, string theory is real. I can feel these vibrating strings moving through me, moving as me. I am just a, an entity of vibration. It's a very interesting feeling. I always feel like I need to be at home, safe, comfortable. I never, like, tripping out is fun. I really love that aspect of it. But, uh, you know, it's always just been a chill hangout kind of thing for me to do. I've never gotten into a situation where I'm like, oh boy, I think I'm doing mushrooms too much. <laughs> you can't. I mean, unless you're doing it all the time. But every single time you do them, you need more and more. With this stuff, with the 5-MeO-DMT, generally any psychedelic, I just don't think it can be approached lightly. And it's, it's such a taxing thing to do which is another reason I could never understand if somebody was doing it on the reg. And I'm talking like every weekend. Once a month ain't shit. But every weekend, every single weekend continuously, right? Some people will fry their brains and they'll do acid like every weekend. And I'm like, yikes, why? Dude, once every six months, hit a couple tabs of acid. Like, that's it. Get out of yourself, I always find that the people who are adamantly against those drugs or will talk shit about them are the kind of people that need to cling to their mind and cling to their sense of self so strongly, so strongly. They don't want to lose that sense of self. Why would they want to? They've spent so much time building it up and lying to themselves about it. What a horrific experience it would be as somebody who is totally full of shit and taking those drugs because boy oh boy you ain't running from the truth if you're taking mushrooms or acid I can tell you that I can tell you that but every time I wake up the next day after sleeping off the mushrooms or the acid or whatever I always feel different I always feel lighter and I always feel a little bit polished cognitively emotionally it always makes me feel like I'm making a little bit of progress, you know, because it, it just makes you feel embarrassed about the things that you're like not good at. 
Because you're like, hey, remember this stupid way that you acted? You could have prevented this situation from getting so much worse, but you actually made it worse. Whoopsie. I guess now you can hold yourself responsible and feel shitty for that. Ah, <laughs> oh, by no means are these things party drugs. And you know what? I know it's getting a little bit more research heavy. There, I know that uh, in the states somewhere they're using ketamine as a means to cure depression, and these drugs are very important. If they're administered correctly, in the right doses, in the correct conditions for people who, for example, have PTSD, severe depression, and who need some neuropathway restructuring, you know what a great way to do that is? These drugs. But it needs to be in a setting that's comfortable. And it needs to be with someone who can guide you through that if that's what you want to use it for. I don't think it's for the faint of heart. I certainly do not think it's something you just put in your face like, hey, let me do this. And really, some people's brains are so fucked that they take that stuff and they shoot their girlfriends. Remember? Remember Russian Deadpool? And it's very unfortunate because situations like that give the mushrooms a bad name. No, my friends. It is the brain of the person reacting to that drug that produced that effect. They probably shouldn't have been doing those drugs to begin with. And it sucks. It's, as I said, very unfortunate that we only hear the shittiest parts or the shittiest stories about those drugs because people want to be irresponsible with them and they want to fuck around with them and they think it's some kind of joke to take mushrooms. It's not really. It's just not. It's so much more than tripping out. And you know what? I, I, was, I came to the drug game really late. I was like in my 20s when I started experimenting with these things. People I've known took these things at 13 years old. Holy shit. Are you kidding me? That is insane. So insane. But anyway, very interesting. I really like that kind of stuff. Again, anything brain related, you know I'm there, baby. You know I'm there, baby boy. <laughs> Thank you, Louis J. Gomez, for letting me steal that. He doesn't know who I am, but whatever. I have to give credit, right? Gotta do it. Anyways, my friends, it was lovely chatting with you today. Thanks for letting me get it off my chest and for reading some, thanks for reading some articles with me. Thanks for listening. Listen, I hope you have a great day today, okay? It's hump day. It is the middle of the week. Two more days, the weekend will be here and we can all relax and chill out and uh, do it all again when the week starts again. But you know what? Let's not think about that. Let's just think positive. Let's just think it's going to be a good day. Let's just think it's going to be a good day. It's going to be all right. Whatever is happening, it's going to be all right. And you know what? You're all right and I'm all right and everything's cool. Okay? And if it isn't, focus your attention there and fix it. And if you can't, give it some time to settle down. And eventually, hopefully, things will settle down, okay? Sending big hugs, big, big hugs. I, I'm still very, there was a post that I put on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, right? Where it was like, look, I'd rather hear about your upset than hear about your death. Reach out, please. If you have issues, if you need to talk to somebody, if you feel alone, reach out to people, okay? Leave a comment, leave an email, to me if you want to do that 
It's okay. Even if you're going to be anonymous and send me some really angry emails just totally insulting me, feel free. You psychopath. I know it makes you feel a little bit better to do that. <laughs> but whatever. Go for it. The email address is in the is in the description. You know, get it off your chest.wut at gmail.com. Reach out to your friends. Get in touch with people, okay? Don't forget people who care for you. And don't forget that you probably do have people who care. And reach out. Don't be alone. Anyways, lovely talking to you. Appreciate your ear so, so much. Have a great day. And uh, we'll chat soon. Because... Mwah!